This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you, especially those who are making their way into New York City or have made their way into New York City for the parade. Uh, we watched the bike racks come out. I think it was on Monday when I pulled in. I said, uh-oh, it's parade time, down 6th. That's why if you know some people at Fox, it's the perfect place to be because you could stay inside, be away from the cold or the challenging weather, and be able to watch the parade go by even if it does, in fact, rain. So quick thing, uh, I'm anxious for you to hear my interview with, uh, with Mike and Peggy Rowe. Uh, Mike Rowe, the legend, he's got the uh, biggest social media following of anyone I've ever met because he certainly earned it. His blue-collar attitude, his positive messaging, his great profiles tell a great story. And his mom talks about becoming a great, successful writer. So that'll be great. Book was a bestseller. So I do want to also bring up uh, that I've managed to put together a stage show that I want you to be part of for the last one of the year, December 2nd. It'll be at the New Jersey Performing Arts Center. So I want to see everybody out there. A few tickets are left. Uh, so it'll be Friday night. What better place to be than Newark, New Jersey? And we'll have a chance to listen to some WABC personalities. I'm not sure. Sid has talked about. Frank Morano has talked about coming out. We don't know who else is going to show up, but I'll put them on stage and let you talk. But mostly it's unscripted, giving you an idea of American history, the need to understand it regularly, understand it uh, holistically, and this anti-Americanism that's, cop- that's propping up around the country has got to be stopped really beginning with the 1619 Project and the tearing down of statues in our past because people are less than perfect. So I think if you just go to BrianKilme.com, I'll be there. Uh, you'll see, be able to get tickets if there are some remaining. On December 3rd, I'll be at the Operation uh, U- New Uniform Gala in uh, at Sawgrass Marriott Golf Resort Club uh, in Jacksonville. So I want everyone to meet me out there. Before that, uh, in the morning or in the afternoon, Tom Bush BMW, they're one of our great sponsors on WOKV. So they're going to be hosting me for the President and Freedom Fighter now out on paperback, which if you guys want it signed, go to BrianKillMe.com. It goes to my local bookstore if you're not at any of these events, and I'll send it out. Then on December 16th, the Little Point Bookshop over in Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey, at the urging of Dana Perino. Uh, she should be there. If not, it'll be a good time anyway, but I think she will. And then I'm going to McCallum. Uh, McCallum uh, to go to KURV and meet at 7, 10 a.m., meet all those great listeners. But right now, I do want you to know, what you, I want you to find out for you what your Thanksgiving plans are. Just write me at briankillme.com on comments. And number two, I want you to hear uh, my interview with Mike Rowe. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your Thanksgiving and keep it here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mike Rowe, welcome back. Thank you for getting my name all grouped up with words like not stupid. Right, absolutely. And by the way, Mike could not get out of his first appearance because we were in the elevator together. Which kind of made me nervous because they had a lot of stops. Well, I'm, I'm priding myself on getting here by 9.06, and today kind of scared me a little. I thought I was late, so I'm taking big steps. I'm moving fast, trying to negotiate the incredible uh, elevator complex system here. And then I turn around, and there you are coming up the hallway. Right. So I'm like, well, you know. They're you not have gonna... never been nervous about anything in your life. When's the last time you were really uh, uh, panicked? Oh, panicked? Yeah. Well, were you really nervous? I I can't believe this is happening. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. I'm late. I'm early. Whatever uh, it is. Not so much in the TV game anymore. But I I left a um, I left a department store the other day, and I was I was late to get to where I needed to be, and my car was gone. 
there's an empty spot where I had my car parked. And I was 100% certain, Brian, 100% certain that that was the spot where I'd left my car and therefore concluded uh, my car had been stolen. But, of course, that's not where I parked. I parked on the other side of the building. Wow. I I, I couldn't have been more wrong. But, man, in that moment, I was so sure that the car was gone. And then to realize within minutes, not just that I was wrong, but that I had been categorically, spectacularly incorrect. You know what would have been worse? Mm. You called 911. No, I can't and do then, that. And then you said, my car is stolen, and the cops come. and See, because the cops know me, right? I mean, it's dirty jobs, how America right. works. It's very, very, very cop-friendly shows. And, yeah, for, for a cop to see me in a panic situation, it, it's just unacceptable. You know, so, yeah. it, it would have gone to the heart of the brand, Brian. It, <laughs> it, it, it would have degraded it. I can't right. have it. So were you angry? Uh, no, I was humbled, Yeah, actually. And you know what? I, I, I don't know what you want to talk about for the next hour, but that feeling of being certain and and then have it come right on the heels, right, right juxtaposed to the realization that you're wrong, that's so humiliating and 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 it's going to happen tomorrow for a lot of people and it's been happening you know in this whole news cycle in so many ways people are so long on certainty in so many areas and then they're confronted with the undeniable truth of their incorrectedness (laughs) and you you. and you see just it's cognitive dissonance from sea to shining sea that's what's going on right and now. And the one thing I did... On We've my... all forgotten where we parked. I like it. Yeah. I mean, that would right. that that could be one of your Facebook... Uh, that could be... Don't you have a new series about that, how everything's connected? Yeah. It's called Six Degrees. That's still out there. Um, right. I mean, you just did it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, just, just and now, I, I can't I, help And it. I interrupted the end of your story, mm. why you continue to say yes when I try to book you, right. when you have this great story, mm. and I ruined the end. Well, that's another thing going on in our country, right? We can't... Two ears, one mouth, but we got it all backwards, right? right? We interrupt everything going on around us to let everybody know with great passion how certain we are about every single thing. And we simply can't be right all of the time. In fact, we're not. We're wrong most of the time. We can't remember where we parked. Okay. I can't I can't stop saying it. I really but, forced Gump my way into the metaphor for our times. You're welcome, everybody. Right. I mean, we're basically, this is a workout room for you. This is the Monday nights for comics when they come out with their loose sleeve. That's and right. they just sit there and they put right, it right, on right. their stool and they work this out. Okay, yeah. I'm going to really break that off. So yeah, let's like, see how this goes. I'm not going to take this on uh, Fox and Friends until I workshop <laughs> it here. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, we no, no. It. More primetime, Tucker. <laughs> oh, Tucker, you know, right, yeah, right, I'm going right. to work it out here. Then I'm going to hit Tucker. So I, 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 he actually lets people finish, Tucker. Yeah, When does. you go on, he lets you go. He does. But, yeah. Yeah, he'll just say, okay, you're done, and he'll just say goodbye. But you know what? What's brilliant about that sometimes is that you give people enough rope. Sometimes they build a bridge. Sometimes they hang themselves to just sit there and listen as somebody talks themselves right into something utterly inexplicable. That's fun to watch. Right. How about this? You have that, and we have something else. Sometimes if you give people enough time, they actually tell the truth. So we have lost uh, the last two years. We have heard that when the price of gas went up, we heard that when you're running for president, I'm for fracking, even though your background says you weren't. Mm-hmm. When the price of gas goes up, it's not my fault. It's Vladimir Putin's fault. It's Saudi Arabia. They cut back production. Uh, I, I, I'm mad at the oil and gas companies. I'm mad at the gas station or I'm mad at the guy that, that delivers the gas and the women that might do it, too. And then there's this, President Biden, who in Westchester, Sunday night, was had a heckler. And the heckler was a pro-green energy Probably nose ring wearing, purple hair, 
uh, adoring person yelled this out. And listen to Joe Biden's response. Cut one. No more drilling. There is no more drilling. I haven't formed any new, new drilling. <laughs> so he told everyone, production is up. It's just that the oil companies are being greedy. Mm -hmm. And now he just says there's no more drilling in this country. Look, I think we've talked about it before, but it's... Not it, here, though. Well, it's, um, it's the emperor's new clothes, right? It's the emperor's new clothes. And um, to, to look at it... Look, the first episode of How America Works in season one was oil. We, we literally took an hour to show you exactly how robust that industry is, how, how deeply reliant we are upon it and how it's it's not going anywhere it it all of this stuff right we, but just, we could suppress it and sure. go through pain for 10 years oh, until yeah. someone gets in office and says uh we what are we doing here look i i just think every so often and again i i don't even think this is political but every so often you need that kid in the crowd to point to the emperor and say wait that he's not wearing any clothes right. at all. And I'm not suggesting Joe Biden is the emperor in this metaphor. I'm just saying that whatever the story is, look, that's what Let's Go Brandon was all about. When people, when that happened. Most innovative heckle in the history of men. It, and I don't think it happened only because people had strong political feelings. I think it happened because the woman who was reporting on the thing said, oh, you can hear the crowd chanting, Let's go, Brandon. And the crowd and the people at home could hear with their own ears. And she was interviewing a guy named Brandon. Correct. And they could see with their own eyes that, that that's not what was happening. So, you know, in my mind, ever since then, there's been this growing sense of, wait, what do you mean that was a successful withdrawal from Afghanistan? I'm watching people fall from the sky. Wait, what do you mean the border's secure? I can see with my own eyes 10,000 people coming across it. Wait, what do you mean crime is down? I'm watching people get shoved in front of the subway. Wait, what do you mean you parked there? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. But here's your car on the other side. You sure? <laughs> right? Well, so it's, it's all that. The problem is why your analogy doesn't work, and I wish it did, is because you sincerely thought the car was parked there. Yep. I know that they're duping us. Okay, we'll see. And then, that's the problem. Right. Well, look. And, and you, you were certain. If you said, you know, I thought, you know, we were out of oil, so I said stop drilling because mm. I had a geologist that told me, uh, but you know that you're doing this on purpose. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying the, that this is one place where the line is. Now, if if I learned that somebody took my car as a joke and moved it, and I just haven't figured it out yet, that's a different... That's what you're saying. Yeah. Somebody moved my car. Somebody moved my cheese. You know, In my case, I just screwed up. I just forgot. But... You know, we can give as much benefit of whatever doubt as we want. So let me tell you what caused, on a Saturday, his press secretary to scramble to do some damage control. Cut to. Cost them too much money. They can't count. No one's building new coal plants because they can't rely on it, even if they have all the coal guaranteed for the rest of their, the existence of the plant. So it's going to become a wind generation. And all they're doing is going to save them a hell of a lot of money and using the same transmission line they transmitted the coal-fired electric on. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America. A kid from Scranton knows, you know what fuels Scranton? Coal. You know coal uh, miners. Uh, 
what do you think coal people are thinking of themselves knowing they're providing the coal for the electric grids, that China is buying tons of coal, uh, the other people, they're doing this for a living, and they find out this? Well, I, I, like we said earlier today, I, I, I think they're profoundly annoyed. I think they must that they, they are the kid in the emperor's new clothes. They're screaming, wait, what do you mean? How can you even say that? But to me, the bigger question is, if you're paying attention to energy with a capital E and you're, and you're looking around the world, you just hinted at it. Here's a figure that's not in dispute. India and China combined are building a coal-fired power plant every week. And the plan is to do that every week for the next 30 years. So I'm, I could be wrong, but that's an easy Google. And it's confirmed all over the place. So, you know, how can you talk about, never mind that, what about the other 3 billion people who rely primarily on wood and crap? Wood and dung is being burned <laughs> and doing, I mean, just so much more impactful on the atmosphere we all share. Those people have to get to coal, oil, and gas. So a fellow Democrat, Joe Manchin, comes out and says this, President Biden's comments are not only outrageous and divorced from reality, they ignore the severe economic pain the American people are feeling because of rising energy. Comments like these are the reason the American people are losing trust in President Biden and instead believe he does not understand the need to have, have, have an all-in all energy policy that would keep our nation totally energy independent and secure it for the future and he goes on so a fellow democrat said basically what you just said directly knowing that an election was two days away that's how outrageous it is because he's in west virginia you know what they're doing in west virginia so when we come back more from micro we're going to lighten it up and talk about something that happened in 60 minutes that probably affects all of your family don't move the Brian Kilmeade Show, sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. More of The Brian Kilmeade Show coming up. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You can't win a war on social media. Just don't engage. Don't engage in the public battles because that's just feeding the beast. You don't mean disengage from the political process. You, you mean just disengage from these platforms? Yes. When public discourse was moved into the middle of the Roman Colosseum, I'm saying disengage from that. Walk out of the Colosseum and still be politically active. And that is a NYU professor, Jonathan Haidt, uh, talking on 60 Minutes yesterday about what is polarizing America. Well, it really is based off Social Dilemma, a documentary that was co-produced by Tristan Harris, and he believes that it is the polarization of America is not cable news. It's not your family. It is social media that's pushing extremes for clicks and likes. With me right now, uh, to maybe say this is too simplistic or right on the money, Michael <laughs> Rowe from Micro, uh, Micro Works Foundation. He has so many plugs, I got to do it piecemeal. <laughs> and we know his show is on at 8 o'clock tonight on FBN. What's your thought on what he just said? Disengaged. Are you big into social media? Yeah. You're huge. Yes and no. I don't. I don't, uh, I don't really follow anybody because I just never got into it from that point of view. But I did wake up one day and realize 
that the people who watch my shows are on social, and they're my ultimate boss. So I started posting regularly uh, about 10 years ago on Facebook, and there's 6 million people there now. And I honestly, I don't do anything without without running it by them first. They're, they're my focus group. You know, ultimately, they're the people that I work for. Big so benefit I, for you. Big benefit um, and a big gut check. You know, so I, I take it super seriously professionally. Um, personally. You yeah. have 6 million people following you on Facebook? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, closer to seven now. And another million on Instagram, apparently, which, you know, I, I mean, it's. Do but, you Twitter at all? Or no, I don't tweet. But some of the stuff I do gets picked up and ported over there by people who claim to work for me. But, you know, I, I, I'm not really. I can't look at all of it, but every I, I just posted an hour ago before I came on here, a pretty robust post, you know, and I kind of feel like, you know, that's that's part of my job, you know, is just to be transparent. And that's a good place for me to do it. But the point of this thing that I that I do agree with is that this is a very powerful thing. And before we talk about whether it's inherently good or inherently bad, we ought to admit that it's powerful and we ought to admit that it's tied. Social is tied to the First Amendment, in much the same way guns are tied to the Second Amendment. And that thing's sitting right there, the same thing I got in my pocket, you know. It's not just a, a phone anymore. It, it, it's a network. Like, if I go live on Facebook right now, I, I can stream this conversation to 6 million people right now. That's super powerful. And so a gun is a powerful thing. This thing, in the hands of, you know, a Cretan is capable of incalculable mischief. Like, for example, an enemy country that wants to further divide America? Sure. Absolutely. Look, the First Amendment is is the first because it is the most powerful. It's And it's also potentially the most dangerous. Speech is a thing, right? I mean, that you, you can cause more mischief with, with your smartphone, an Internet hookup, and a robust social uh, platform than you can with an AR-15. I mean, yeah. it's just so so if we don't think about it like that, then we're probably going to talk past each other in terms of, gosh, I don't know if, you know, is the populace equipped to deal with this? What if, for instance, <laughs> guns were introduced suddenly for the very first time? And what if everybody got one, a big one? And what if we just said, OK, this is powerful. Good luck, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, you know, we got a really powerful weapon and we didn't get the primer on how to work I it. I like that analogy better than I forgot where I parked my car. Well, that's why I'm your right. guest, Brian. Right, and we still have another half hour with, for more analogies. You're not even going to believe what I pull out of my butt coming what up. Did you, I can't wait to find out what you told <laughs> six million people uh, about what comes out of your butt. Good. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Tristan Harris says real change may have to be forced in court. I think we have to do with social media what happened with Big Tobacco. What stopped Big Tobacco was that the attorneys general in different states... That's right. ...actually went after them. The attorneys general in Big Tobacco had an enormous role to play in litigating that there was harms 
to people and their families. Is that what it's going to take with I think that's what's going to social take media with companies? Social media. Yes. And we're seeing attorneys general move already one step in that direction. Attorneys general in at least eight states are coordinating a nationwide investigation of social media platforms. We now know that there's all these harms in social media products designed for engagement. We've done it before. We did it with seatbelts. We've done it with big tobacco. We've taken lead out of gasoline. We have made these changes once we recognize that certain products were toxic for us. We can do it again. Should we? And that's the question. Tristan Harris co-producer of uh, The Social Dilemma. It affects everybody, uh, your kids, yourself. If you choose not to be on Facebook, that's a choice that matters if you see your kids are living online, and it's probably not Facebook, it's probably TikTok right now, or Snapchat or Instagram. Mike Rowe is a major player on Facebook, 6 million, you said closer to 7 million now, mm -hmm. uh, and on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So, Mike, your thoughts about regulation to that degree, and I think you're hearing this for the first time, so what are your thoughts? I mean, personally, I think part of me would be kind of relieved because it, it is a barking dog in a sense. I mean, if you're going to treat it seriously, if you're going to you, – I can't ignore 6 million people, so I don't. Um, but again, we're talking about a couple different things. This let, – let's go back to your first question. Like the last time I felt panicked, right? What if you framed this whole conversation in terms of how do you feel when you – forget where you put your car versus where when you realize you've lost your phone How, what goes through your mind when you realize holy crap i'm not connected anymore i'm not connected to social i'm not connected to my contacts i can't make a phone call say you're traveling there are a lot of people listening right now who know exactly what that feels like they got off the plane and they don't have their phone they left the house and they don't have their phone well my problem is this yeah, yeah, yeah. you get all your credit still. card segments. But, but, but still, they got everything still, about me. Still, somebody else has it. That feeling that races through your guts and makes you almost nauseous when you realize you've lost your phone and you can't get it back right away, just throw more gasoline on that if you're a kid. Throw even more on it if you're coming out of a lockdown and your only source of connectivity relies upon this thing that we're talking about right now. When you are suddenly cut off from that, I would argue that that feeling is not so different, to take the metaphor a step further, than when you go cold turkey on tobacco. When you, I mean, you can just fill in the blank with a lot of different things, but one way you can always tell if you got a little over your skis is how nauseous you feel right. when your cheese gets moved. And you lose your phone, you lose your connection. If you're, we're grownups, sort of. And I know how it feels when I, when that happens to me. What if you're 17, 18 years old? What if your entire life has been spent in part being plugged in to this Borg to have access? All of your friends, all of your snapping and your chatting and your thumbs up and your swiping, and all of it comes down to your facility on that screen. We're... We're too old to understand this, dude. But when you look at a kid and their fingers are flying over that screen, it's oh, yeah. it's like it's, it's like something out of Star Trek, and now it's gone. You you might as well pull their liver so, out. So have you? What, I I know it's tough for you. It's against your own interests. You feel relieved, but are you for it? Are you for where he's recommending we go? And that is treat it like unleaded gas, leaded gas, and make it unleaded. Treat it like seatbelts. Get used to it. We never, uh, we, when I got, when I, the only time I needed a seatbelt was my driver's test. Yeah. 
and I had to go rent a car because my seatbelt to my car didn't work. So I had to go rent a car to get, and after that, we have a totally view on seatbelts. If I told my son that, he's like, are you crazy? Why would you get in a car without a seatbelt? Well, right. You can, you can absolutely change behavior, and I, th and I think we should. But to, okay, so it is mandatory that cars have seatbelts. Totally on board with that. Is it mandatory that you wear one? And if so, what yes. if you don't? I, obviously, that's already been litigated. You, know, you, you are now on the wrong side of the law if you're operating without a seatbelt. So we did get there. Do I like it? Actually, no, I don't like it. But I, I, I can't think of the last time I didn't wear a seatbelt. So it's coming out of the pandemic, it's the same kind of thought process. You know, we want people to do what's good for them. We have to set the table fairly. We have to give them the option. You know, of course you don't have to smoke. Of course you should wear your seatbelt. You know what? Maybe you shouldn't eat two bags of potato chips and drink a liter of Diet Coke either. Mm -hmm. There's a long list of things. And by the way, Bloomberg jumped in on that, and he Fine. said stop with the big Cokes. Right. So, look, I mean, I, I personally do think there is the genies out of the bottle with social, and we're going to have to do something to walk it I'm back. I'm going to come back to social, but I will say on the pandemic, on that same thought about telling you what to do, yeah. I have so much resentment, especially now knowing especially how wrong everybody was oh my God. when they told us, don't go out. Don't, you know, make your kids play sports with a mask. Uh, go wipe everything down. Take all your clothes off before you walk in your house. What did you Don't think, you go to work? What did you think the other day when you heard about amnesty for all of that? And from the Atlantic Magazine writer. Yeah, you're right. I was outraged. I but, was too. Yeah. And she was on Face the Nation this weekend. But it was I wasn't politically outraged. I was just Personally. outraged because how in the world are you ever gonna learn anything if we if 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 we can't look back and say, here's what we got wrong. And if we can't in the same breath say, and remember how certain you felt? Remember how sure you were about the six feet thing, about the mask thing, about the booster thing? Remember how certain you were, Mike, when you knew you parked where you weren't? Same feeling. Right. Right? It's the same feeling. Although there's people in charge that were experts that do this for a living, that even though you don't know exactly how the pandemic was going to happen, they knew a pandemic would happen. And almost everything they said, Anthony Fauci from, pandemic's not going to be a factor here. Mm -hmm. Don't wear a mask. It's going to give you a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. A vaccine, if you take the vaccine, you will not pass the virus or get the virus. Right. And all of that was flat out wrong. And they never admitted it. They just moved on without acknowledging it. And I still see people walking around with a mask outside. Sure. And unless they tested positive, you are totally being duped. Right. And, and look, to be clear... I, I'll give them every benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm going to assume they're running a low-grade fever. I'm going to assume they have a cold and they don't want to give it to me. But it's the same feeling if you looked over at a stoplight and saw somebody not just wearing a seatbelt, but two seatbelts wrapped in bubble pack yes. with a helmet on, okay, and their entire car had been wrapped in rubber. You might think, okay, <laughs> this person is either, what, are they more responsible than me or are they crazy, right? So, uh, you know, what are you supposed to do? One mask, two. How about well, three? How about four? Mike, I was on the air when Dr. Burks said it would be a good idea to possibly wear goggles because it could come in your eyes, right? Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Fauci going to these hearings with two masks on, mm -hmm. right? Then sits in the stadium 
with two people right around him without a mask. Now, now you're in a different world because we we will forgive. I'll forgive well-intended people who sound really, really certain who happen to get it wrong. But it's very, very hard today to forgive a hypocrite. And if it destroyed so many lives, yes, it's that's where the line gets drawn. If you didn't practice what you preached. Don't talk to me about amnesty. And and I'm saying to you, the, your governor, Ike Kemp and DeSantis, told the people, here are the facts, live your life mm-hmm. the way you want it. And I think they're going to be rewarded. Which brings us back to this. Here are the facts. Social media is way more addictive than we thought. It's way more dangerous than we can imagine. But the genie is out of the bottle. And now, look, we have gun safety classes. Yes. And I'm all for them. Why don't we have some kind of primer for so? Why would you hand Absolutely. a kid a device that gives her or him unlimited access to all the porn your mind can imagine? Why would you do that? And, and Mike, the other thing is, the, one of the answers is, is the ink's not dry yet on social media. It's so new. Yeah. Even It's so new. What are the right ways to go? How much is enough time? Well, why is it that in... Uh, Silicon Valley, where you live around, their kids are strongly regulated, and they mm-hmm. wait a long time before because they know they who's know. getting addicted. Um, you want me to go with 31? I'll go with 31 over 34 because, Allison, you have better judgment. I haven't read 31, but I was thinking about 34. I'll go back to behavior in a moment. I love so we'll 31. So we'll, you want to go 31? I don't know. I don't know what Yes, I feel like we're in a weird game of news bingo. Right. Can you not interrupt me when I'm talking to my producer? I don't think so. Your listeners are confused, dude. I'm telling Uh, you. This is what he's here for. Uh, Watch How how America Works on Fox Business at 8 o'clock. Now can I roll 31? You call that a promo. You sicken me. Let's listen to 31. In their version of TikTok, if you're under 14 years old, they show you science experiments you can do at home, museum exhibits, patriotism videos, and educational videos. And they also limit it to only 40 minutes per day. Now, they don't ship that version of TikTok to the rest of the world. So it's almost like they recognize that technology is influencing kids' development, and they make their domestic version a spinach version of TikTok, while they ship the opium version to the rest of the world. The version served to the West has kids hooked for hours at a time. The impact, Harris says, is predictable. There's a survey of preteens in the U.S. and China asking what is the most aspirational career that you want to have. In the U.S., the number one was influencer. Social media influencer. And in China, the number one was astronaut. Again, you allow those two societies to play out for a few generations, I can tell you what your world is going to look like. There's 60 Minutes last night, a whole thing on social media. Tristan Harris saying in China, the inventors, uh, ByteDance, are the ones that came up with this. TikTok here is the number one app, I believe. And around the country, same thing, around the world. But in China, it's stuff that's good for you. Mm. Uh, information that you can grow from. Yeah. All right. Since you sort of teased this in a weird way an hour ago, um, I'm just going to give you a confession. I, I'm not on TikTok, but I'm on Facebook. And Facebook has a thing called Reels, right? And I walked into the, uh, the restroom uh, the restroom, my personal bathroom at home. All right, I don't want to give you too much detail, but I walked in there and I, I settled in and I had my phone with me. Like, what else do you need to know? And I'm checking stuff and there I am on, on, on reels. You're so on. I, I, I'm on, not me, me, but I'm just oh. scrolling through, right? I'm looking at 15, 20 second videos. One after, and, and this is a first for me. Like, I knew it was there, but I went down the rabbit hole and I'm sitting there <laughs> looking at reels on Facebook, in my bathroom. 
I sat there so long. When I stood up, I fell down. Like the blood. You, you had, yeah, no I fear. spent 20 minutes on the can. Look, now, I'm a grown man. I'm busy, man. I'm busy. I got three shows. I got a podcast. I got a book to write. And I, I sat there like an idiot in the bathroom, which I know is bad for me on every level, looking at this thing. Like a, like a caged monkey. And think about a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old or an 8-year-old or a 16-year-old. If it can derail me. Well, right, exactly. So, look, there is a, maybe it's dopamine. Maybe it's I, whatever it is. That's beyond my pay grade. But it is real. FCC, by the way, FCC, one of the FCC officials came out and said we should ban TikTok flat out. Trump brought it up, ban it. Then we kind of forgot about it, and then people are using it like Barack Obama sitting Indian-style on the ground talking to an influencer uh, under a table. Mm -hmm. You saw that. And mm -hmm. you just see Joe Biden doing something ridiculous with a transgender teenager who's a big influencer on TikTok. Doesn't know, he didn't know what he was saying, but he believed everyone should get transitioned. That's what Joe Biden, Joe Biden was agreeing to everything. Uh, you know, so, so I'm just saying, so they're using it now to get to young people. Yeah. Uh, and I just think we have to do this. But it, in the bigger picture, why were we lured into that? And who's going to be the next one to come into to that? Yeah. And, and the thing is, I've gone into a rabbit hole on YouTube, but it's all positive. I go from one documentary to the next, and I, I go, yeah, you got me, and I'm guilty, and I'm happier I did it. But yeah. I'm one in a positive way, right. not like you who did something that you feel uh, you feel you shouldn't have. Yeah, it's junk food. Look, yeah. I mean, you can sit down and you, know, you can get up from eating a lot. You can eat too much healthy food and feel like, yeah. why in the world would I do that? Or you can eat too much garbage and it's worse. Right. And when we come back, how it affects behavior. Dr. Phil weighed in with Joe Rogan. I want to share some of that. Meanwhile, this we're at Election Eve. We haven't talked much about the elections, but we should. Uh, but we only have a little time. Unless you can say for another hour. Yeah. Where else would I go, Brian? <laughs> what else would I do? Watch... Uh, how, How America, America Works, works. Good. Uh, Fox Business at 8 o'clock. Good. And then what, he's the host of the podcast, The Way I Heard It. Right, And good. you can find all this out on, on, on at Mike oh Rowe my God. Works. At, what? What is with the at? Just go to microworks.org for God's sakes. A whole lot to be thankful for. Family, friends, and the best of Brian Kilmeade. Happy Thanksgiving from The Brian Kilmeade Show. So busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. They've started living on their devices. It's kind of like along about 2007 or 8. It seems like airplanes flew over the country and just started dropping smartphones. And everybody's head went from here to here. I mean, think about it. When you, when you look, you go anywhere, go to the mall, go just anywhere there's a group. And what do you see in their hands? You see a device. We didn't grow up with devices. When I started Dr. Phil 21 years ago, the first text hadn't been sent. There were no social media platforms. None of that stuff was going on. Technology is great. I'm not, listen, I love technology. But we've got generations that started living virtually. They're watching people live their lives instead of living their own lives. And that changed the metrics on everything. Think about that. TikTok, Instagram, all of this, you're watching other people live their lives instead of living your own. And that changed everything. And like I said, with this metaverse, I understand the mission statement is to basically do put those glasses on or whatever they decide to use. And you start living a, a life that doesn't exist, but does exist if you believe in virtual reality. What do you think about what he just said? 
I don't micro do, here, by the way. Yeah, it's me. I'm still here. I'm like stepping in gum, man. <laughs> I know. I just saw you promote on Fox Business, so you definitely eventually have to leave. Coming up next, Mike Rowe. No, he's not coming up next. He's right here. So two things. I think he's correct, but I also don't think he said anything that wasn't said around the advent of television. Television scared the hell out of us. We just couldn't believe it. Are you kidding me? A magic box in the living room? Right? They said the same thing about radio. What do you mean? I mean, newspapers were the thing. And now, all of a sudden, you don't have to read, they said. You're just going to sit around and listen. That's so passive. That's so soul-deadening. That's so non-active. Radio is going to kill us, they said. It's going to destroy newspapers. TV, they said, is going to kill radio forever. Movies, they said, was going to kill TV uh, DVDs, they said, was good. It's called the displacement theory. And in broadcasting, it's been around forever. And it's not wrong. It's just not entirely right. All those media get changed by what comes next. Right. So social media is media. It's just social. And so that's a new thing. So I think Dr. Phil is right. And I, I share his concerns. But I'm also mindful of the fact that, <laughs> I mean, he says... These things were like like they were dropped out of planes. What about the planes themselves? Imagine being down there in South America in a tribe and looking up and you see a plane. That's the end, right? We need time to adjust to technology that's truly what transformational. What do we do in the meantime? Stay close to your friends. You know? uh, meet Sing people. a song. Make Go out. Contact. Shake hands. That's Remember we... where you park, for God's sake. Absolutely. It's a full circle. It's like a Seinfeld episode. Watch How America Works, 9 o'clock on, at 8 o'clock on Fox Business. Unbelievable. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world, especially in the Ukraine, where the fighting's happening. We have not forgotten about how we left Afghanistan almost a year ago today. Uh, this hour, we're going to be talking to all my guests. It's where it, I have it here. It's, it's somewhere. Oh, Mike Rowe. He's my oh, only God. guest. You actually my, do this for a living. This is amazing. I don't get paid. <laughs> Uh, this is just all There'll experience. There'll be no money. There'll be no money. I mean, and I reject when the money comes automatically into my, I get rid of it. I said, can you please get rid of Filthy it? Filthy lucre. I right. didn't earn this. You don't get paid either, do you? No, nothing. No, yeah, no just, not just that warm Because you're wearing of, the same thing every time I see you. I got two shirts, three pants. Right. That's it. Fashion's done. I'm, I'm, I've embraced the uniform. He's, he's got this new thing, quietly quitting. You hear about this new oh thing, quietly quitting? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a, 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 a monument to passive aggressiveness. Uh, guys, just hold one second. Allison, you blew my whole format already. You know that, right? We can skip it. You think I should skip the big three just because Mike Rose here? 100%. And you think his instincts are better than mine? The big three? Why would you do the big three? You got the big one. Come on. Wow, there's the ego. And that's why a lot of people don't book you, Mike, because you, because it's the ego. No one can handle it. So I have. I'm, let me just tell people what they missed. Uh, they missed me telling you that one of the big stories was the raid on Mar-a-Lago. The other big story was the primaries last night, and the other big story was... Um, what was the other big story? It was so oh, big, we don't signed, know what it is. Signed into law. You know yeah. the whole Inflation Reduction Act? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. really works effectively. It turns out the only problem with the bill is the title has nothing to do with the bill. <laughs> if you can't get the title right, how are we supposed to believe what the actual content is in it? Look, we were joking about this the other day on Fox and Friends, but it's so true. It's, it's, the, it's the thing, never mind the politics of it, the thing that is making people 
fundamentally crazy, crazy, crazy is that nothing is what it says it is, Absolutely. right? You're going to talk to my mom later. Her book's called Vacuuming in the Nude. She doesn't really vacuum in the nude, but that's okay. It's a it's a book. Right. It's it's a metaphor. It didn't cost seven hundred billion dollars. <laughs> so, well, okay. What if we passed a law right now on your show? Yep. Right, that just said, listen, no more names for acts and bills. They get letters and they get numbers. That's just what it is. Yeah. It's like a bingo game. Right. Okay. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. But guess what? It you you can't put your thumb on the scale of a thing that is just a, a couple letters and a random number. People could look at it. You know, it's the same thing happened with the pandemic, right? Is it the China virus? Is it the Wuhan virus? Is it is it the coronavirus? Is it COVID? Is it, well, you know, we spend so much time figuring out what to call a thing, we forget to look at what the thing is. Well, we could also just be accurate and says, of course, it's the Wuhan virus mm -hmm. or it's the China virus. It's one or the other. Sorry, you took it personal. That's where it started. Right. Uh, it, MERS, same thing, uh, came from the Middle East. Uh, quick thing. Uh, we want to make sure everybody knows Mike work, uh, Mike Rose. Works Foundation is something you should contribute to. It's about rebuilding blue-collar America. Also, you have How America Works on Fox Business, uh, Mondays at 8 o'clock, back with a new season. Yeah, yeah, season three uh, will be up in uh, September, it looks like. Looks and, great. And vacuuming the nude <laughs> and other ways to get attention is not out until August 21st, but you can get it now, right? It's out as it, Brian, I, we really have to have a talk offline. Why? Okay, Because you've got a lot of information in front of you, but I'm not sure how much of that's accurate. Vacuuming in the nude and other ways to get attention uh, hit the shelves yesterday. My mother's special, America's Grandmother, which is right here on Fox News, that premieres on the 21st of August at 10 p.m. My mother... Is oh, yesterday, Tuesday, of course. Of course. Yeah, Tuesday, right. book, books. Tuesday's Tuesday. big day for books. All right. But, it, but it's a big I stay day correct. for mom. Yeah, that's well... You're yeah. staying correct. A lot of people would hesitate correcting the host. Yeah, a lot of people would. Not but you know what? <laughs> you a, have no a, a lot of hosts would, right. would have stuck to their big three and marched, you know, right off the cliff and so, congratulated themselves for not being flexible. Lack of, right, uh, lack of self-esteem on my part. You know what? I think it's inertia. This is here's the thing. All big three, all your items in the big three have one thing in common. Which is they're all in the past. This True. is this is happening right now. That's a good point. Uh, thank you for minimizing <laughs> the quality of my show and the content in which people hear. Thank you. Uh, I will say that I, I I go out of my way to make sure you're not involved in politics, but I will say this. After uh, doing a special of only 45 minutes, you did a whole series on it with oil and gas. I didn't know almost anything about the business, but I'm humble enough to ask questions mm -hmm. and go out with George P. Bush. We go out to the fields of Midland, Texas, and we go out to an offshore oil rig. And then we go to the history of the oil museum and find out what the role of oil and gas has and how they've been diminished in our society by people who know nothing about it. Yeah. They don't understand petroleum in our genes, petroleum in the, our keyboards. They don't understand oil and gas, how we won World War II, yeah. and, how, and what it means for our national security. And to tell a bunch of kids graduating college don't major in that in, in high school, don't do what your families did, and to tell these great investment organizations that have all the success from Blackstone to J.P. Morgan, I don't want uh, your mutual funds investing in something that will help turn a profit for them, I think it's criminal. Well, look, if, if, if you make fossil fuels the enemy, then you are going to reap a whirlwind of unintended consequences really, really, really quickly. I get that a lot of people are convinced the end of days is coming 12, 15, 20 years down the road. I get that. But there's no proportionality and there's no context. And when you talk about flipping a switch and getting rid of oil and natural gas yeah. and even coal, for that matter, you would, you would hasten that Armageddon 
to an exponential factor. China and India alone are building a coal plant every week for the right. next 30 years. That's not going to change. Right. There are 30 billion people right now still burning wood and dung. If you want to bring them into the modern world, you're not going to do it with wind. You're not going to do it with solar. You're not going to do it with hydro. You might do it with nuclear, but we've got real problems with that, right? France, 90% of we their... We shouldn't have problems with that because we've done what to do it responsibly. Well, you have to do it responsibly and you have to deal with fossil fuels responsibly, but you can't just go, no, fossil fuels are the enemy, period. It's, it, it's over. That, that will hurt on every imaginable level. In my view, Alex Epstein wrote a great book. It's called uh, Fossil Future. Right. And in it, he just says, look, let's have the conversation, but let's at least understand that fossil fuels have saved more lives over the last 100 years than anybody is really thinking about. You know, it's, it's, fossil fuels have protected us from the climate, right? Right. In, in, in so many ways. But it's hard to say that out loud today without it coming back over the net with so much topspin that somebody's going to call you a denier and then the conversation ends. So you know what's going to happen? And this is my, by the way, I don't, I don't actually don't mind doing it. I'm kind of used to it. But you're in the more the real world than I am. <laughs> but actually not. I do travel a lot and do a lot of features. I should give myself some credit. You get out, yeah. Again, yeah, thank you. Um, I should really thank myself for giving myself a compliment. <laughs> but, Mike, it's to me the best analogy is to fund the police from two years ago. Mm -hmm. It was to fund the police. Yeah, let's reimagine police. And even and people say, you know, I have a cop thing on my car. I'm not going to put that up there. And, you yeah. know, when it comes to Yankee Stadium and times to salute the first responders, let's not put cops out there. It's just not popular. And guess what we have? Crime taking over every major city, small, big or small. I'm in Memphis doing a feature with on Elvis and Graceland, and I asked the, the police chief, the former police chief, what's the big deal? He goes, I've never seen crime like this. Same conversation. On Elvis week. Same conversation in Baltimore last time I was there. I'll be there this afternoon as well, and I'm friendly with some cops, and it's the same thing. It doesn't matter where you go. You talk to a good cop, you're going to hear the same story. And I think... I think what we're talking about right now is the fact that we don't we don't react anymore. We overreact to everything. And what winds up coming out in the language is the perfect manifestation of that overreaction. We over when we call a bill something it isn't, that's an overreaction. When we want to talk about reforming police, we don't talk about reforming them. We don't we we talk about defunding them. Just tear it down. We're in a rush to tear everything down. Fossil fuels can't be problematic. They have to be the enemy, and they have to be ended now. But see, now we're experiencing a rise of crime, and now they're saying, you know, I want to get more money to the cops. I never said that. And the people like Corey Bush, they won't back off it. And we have this thing. We have VCRs now. We're taping just about everything. Yep. So we play it back. Having said that, now that crime's overrun, we, we like more cops. They're not coming. Yeah. We can't get a cop. We can't get anyone to be a cop. Yep. All right. So you you did that. You defamed them. You disparaged them. They were putting their lives on the line. They don't get paid a ton. There are some bad ones. There are some bad talk show hosts. Uh, there are some bad uh, firefighters. There are some bad teachers. Doesn't mean by a long stretch they're all bad. But we wanted to put them in that one category. If we do this with fossil fuels, if we continue to make them the enemy by not uh, by vilifying people that work there and stopping companies from investing there, in two years we're going to look around and go, why does the whole country have rolling blackouts? Why are we subservient to China? Correct. And, and then we're going to go, wait a second, let's reverse that. But it's going to be hard to get a generation to go back to the oil fields. It's going to be hard to get investment back into these industries. Right. Look, it starts with our institutions and a, a level of trust or mistrust that we have in them. This is not headline news. People talk about this every day. But here, 
the stakes are incredibly high. If the prognosticators of doom are correct, if the party's over in 12 years, well, then, of course, that's going to completely reframe the conversation. You mean the, the earth ends? The earth ends, yeah. right. Look, serious people who hold serious elected office have looked seriously and earnestly into the lens of whatever cameras around and, and, and told us, lights out, right? We only have 12 years. Now, if that's true, then we're going to have one sort of conversation. But is it? I mean, I don't have a crystal ball do you have Al Gore's? You have Al Gore's documentary. <laughs> that was a crystal ball, and yeah. we've we've we already survived it. And I think eighty five percent of what he put in it does not come true. Yeah. Well, I I just think that if if you want to have an honest conversation, the minute somebody calls you a denier, the minute somebody says you're not following the science, then we've just evolved into this place where the conversation is truly over. And now we have to be left with the fact: How would you like your Armageddon today, sir? In twelve years, we've served up this particular variety. But I'm here to tell you, <laughs> you turn off oil, natural gas, and coal right now, today, then you don't have to wait 12 years. You'll get it in two months. You'll get it with empty shelves. You'll get it with gas prices that no one can afford. You'll get it with a, a, the bottom will fall out of the textile market, the clothes you're wearing, the computer you're on, the electricity that powers your Tesla. Yeah, guess what? There's a turbine spinning somewhere up the food chain. Right. You, you know what's powering that? That would be natural gas. And, and a lot of the people that you know better than me are the so-called celebrities who are flying around there in their jets, like Leonardo DiCaprio, and telling everybody how dare you do it, how you dare you do this? The world's going to be ending. John Kerry's probably the worst offender. You even have Bill Gates. Evidently, was the one to persuade Joe Manchin to vote for this monstrosity. The thing See? is, man, it's like. You have to, I, I don't, I hate to pick on people personally, but I would say to all the people you just mentioned, are you asking yourself, am I persuasive, right? I mean, it's a, it's a fair question, and it's one that I, I try and ask myself that all the time. I, I know I'm not always, but to go out with a message that is as elevated as it could be, the end of the world is coming, the truth is inconvenient. If you're going to sound the alarm, blow the klaxon or whatever that is, right? You'd better be walking the walk. You know, I'll give Ed Bagley credit. Last time I heard him talk about this stuff, he was still living in a tree, right? And, he, he, and riding a bike. Right. So, okay, okay. But to, to, to deliver a message that dire and not live it, to deliver a message that dire and then buy a home on the coast? President Obama. Right. Well, listen, well what is with you calling people out? Fine. Fine. That was a voice in your head. Who's ever, if, if you're going to say a thing, walk the walk. And so, if you yeah. can't do it, well, then maybe say less. Why don't you, if you want to take a break, why don't you tell Mike? Because you you actually going with everything he said. Allison just said in my ear, take a break. All right, listen. But I'm a little, Allison okay and I, yeah, well, I make an eye contact with her <laughs> through the smoky glass, and it looks like a break right now would be the only logical thing to do. Back with more of the Brian Kilmeade show uh, after whatever this is. Vacuuming in the nude. I mean, come on. You should try it sometime. When you're home alone, take your clothes off, fire up the vacuum cleaner, tidy up the place. It's freeing. Thanks for basting the turkey while listening to the best of Brian Kilmeade. Happy Thanksgiving from all of us at the Brian Kilmeade Show. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. States. 
increased the amount they gave and, ex and extended the version. Did that have an impact on your workers? It had, a, it had an impact on our ability to hire. A lot of people were making as much money or more money not working at all. Right. And so guess what? They chose not to work. Yeah. And it's been, they've been reluctant to come back to work. It's sort of, um, they got used to it. Micro with us, Micro Works. Uh, you got his foundation. You got uh, Micro, uh, How America Works on Fox Business, uh, Mondays at 8 o'clock, brand new season. And that was Whole Foods CEO talking about something that's passionate to with you is about work. John Mackey, one of the most successful executives in the country, can't get people to work. And said since the pandemic, he can't get his mind around what's going on. Yeah. He's not alone. And he's in a tough spot because he needs workers you can't he, get a robot to do that he needs workers but he's in a tough spot because he occupies a certain real estate in the conversation and the the, the fans of whole foods the people by and large if you're going to try and drill down into their politics that's not a message they want to hear from a guy like that but it <laughs> what choice does he have I, I, I don't know of any employer, and I know a lot of employers, Brian, especially in the in the construction world, who couldn't hire a dozen people right now. But Anywhere I go, it's my only question I ask everybody. How many are you hiring? Yeah. It, how many could you hire? It's amazing. We've, we've got 7.5 million open positions, 5.8 million people purportedly in the market looking for work. Even if all those people got hooked up with some of these jobs... And it's unlikely because the mismatch of skills is egregious. But even if they did, you'd still be looking at 6 million unfilled opportunities. And somebody somewhere at some point needs to ask this question real loud. What does all of that opportunity, all of that unfilled opportunity say about the country? But listen to our conversations, how it's changed. It wouldn't be like, why don't we get more people into technical colleges to fill up some of these uh, blue-collar positions? And now we say, why can't we get anyone to work? So what happened? We went from get them to we have overstaffed in one place. You know, you can't fit into acting and, mm -hmm. and the arts. You can't really hard to work in at Wall Street. But, man, if you're a plumber, we're desperate for you. We'll train you. We'll send you to school. That used to be our conversation. But our new conversation is where's the workforce? Yeah. Well, it's not really new, but it is coming back around. The wheel is spinning, and that's the thing that, that's going to land squarely on our, on our doorstep, work ethic. Delayed gratification, a decent attitude, personal responsibility, all the stuff that makes me sound like an angry white boomer on the porch screaming at the kids to get off his lawn. I'm sorry, but that's the stuff that's for sale right now. And it's the stuff my foundation has always tried to magnify. It's the stuff no one wants to hear about it because nobody wants a lecture, Brian. Nobody wants to be scolded. Nobody wants to be told they're lazy. But... At some point, when you look around and you look at policies that are encouraging people not to work, then go back to our last break, right, when we were talking about what's the, what happens if you make the police the enemy? What happens if you make fossil fuels the enemy? What happens if you make work the enemy? This is what happens. Right, and this is what you need a leader to be, whether it's a governor in your state or the president of your country or the leader of your family. You tell people the value and uh, the value of work, and you sense stuff that was used to be innate. Man, I worked all day; I feel great about myself. You, yeah. you, you get that from your family, you get that from your leaders, you get that from your peers. We don't get that now. No, we don't. And we we can change that, but I didn't think we'd have to consciously have to change that. But somehow, through this pandemic, things got terrible, 
And everyone says the same thing. How did we get here? Where are the workers? More micro in a second. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I've become, I remember I constantly was telling my father, I said, Dad, you just don't understand our generation. And I feel like I've become my father. I don't understand the younger generation. They, they don't seem to want to work. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you think you know, that is I that? couldn't? I, I couldn't wait to work. Yeah. work. Work for me. I started working as soon as I was able to because that's how I could get money to spend things yeah, I, I mean, wanted. Do you think it's they don't want to work because they don't have to? Whether it's their parents or government, kind of feathering them out. And, and that is more from John Mackey just talking about he's just exasperated. He doesn't figure where the work ethic went because he was – we don't know how we got it. But I, to me, I remember getting my papers saying in 12, 13, one more year, I can officially work. Mike Rowe here uh, talking about uh, his new – his series is back uh, on Monday nights. So, Mike, what is your take on what John Mackey is asking the question rhetor – not rhetorically, he wants an answer. What happened? Well, we have – associated drudgery with work all work it's not fulfilling we've made work the proximate cause of our collective unhappiness we believe today that job satisfaction has something to do with the job and it really doesn't if it if it weren't that case well guys like booker t washington wouldn't have written what they wrote if 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 it were the case that job satisfaction is all about the job then all garbage men would be equally miserable all uh, Wall Street yeah. types would be equally uh, optimistic. It's laughable. All talk show hosts would be equally engaged. You know, job satisfaction has something to do with the job, but a whole lot more to do with the person. And if you if you start to look at work like this thing, this that's separate and apart from the man or the woman, then 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 you sort of arbitrage the fun out of it, and 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 you just reduce it to action and activity. Why do you think this whole working from home thing is so sensitive right now? It's so it's so fraught, right? Because a lot of people who really favor it, I think, feel as though, okay, finally, now I'm in control. Now I have a measure of control that I didn't have over what I wear or how I sit or how long my break is or so forth and so, so on. So what's missing? So it, it sounds good. I control when I'm working. I control what I do. Mm -hmm. I decide what I can wear. Yep, I, yep. I make my house and office. Yep, it, it, so, it, it all tracks right up to the point where you're not an entrepreneur. If you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to assume the risk that comes with creating a business, if you want to set your own hours, that's all well and good. But if you're going to accept a paycheck, then, then you've made it a bargain. You've made a different kind of deal with yourself right. and with your employer. You know, you don't have to stick with that deal for the rest of your life, but you've made that deal. Mike Rowe, uh, I want you to hear this. I think it was, is it from TikTok? Was I right? This is from TikTok. This is a 20-something mm -hmm. talking about this new term, quietly quitting. <laughs> I'm hearing people talk about the term quiet quitting. What that means is people are not going above and beyond anymore. They're not chasing hustle culture at work. They're just doing the required minimum. Essentially, they're doing what they're getting paid to do. Why does quiet quitting have such a negative connotation, though? Sure sounds a lot to me like creating work-life balance for yourself. <laughs> Look, a C plus, a C, you know, it's a passing grade, right? I mean, it's 
if you work hard, look, when I went to school, and probably you too, we, we got two grades. We, we got a grade for our accomplishment and our aptitude, and we got a grade for our effort. I got attitude. It was attitude with us. <laughs> well, it was one to five, I remember. Right, right. So all that stuff really matters. What is your attitude? What is your philosophy? What is? Have you taken the time to think about your relationship with work, right? Like to really think about it. Have you made it the enemy? Have you uh, suggested perhaps that it's the proximate cause of whatever unhappiness you have in your life? Most people have. So the idea of quietly quitting... I'm sure is very appealing to a lot of people because they don't have to step up and do it publicly. You don't have to risk being ostracized or shamed, right? You just quietly fade away. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do now. But I, I still uh, like my I, I actually really do, hearing you talk, I actually relate to sports. One way not to lose is not to play. Sure. And, and if you're afraid to lose uh, to the point where you don't play, you blame the refs, you quit early, you do things like that, or you don't engage at all. So I can go compete. I'm going to go on Wall Street. I'm going to wear that suit. I'm going to try to make it way up. But if I fail, I don't want to feel like a failure. So I'm not going to engage. Those people are obsessed. These capitalists are obsessed mm -hmm. with winning and losing, making money. I'm, there's more to life than that. Sure. But that gives you a purpose. And to competing, it gives you a vigor. And if you have approach it with the right way to test yourself, that takes effort. And that takes risk. And the way not to have that is to say those people are terrible and misguided. I'm out. And the way to give them the experiment is to give them a two-year break from working, <laughs> pay them not to work, and then take care of their apartments. We have uh, forgiveness. Sure. You don't have to pay. And guess who gets hurt by that? Everybody else and landlords who didn't get any rent for two years. Well, and sure. he can't kick them out. Look, and student loan payments that are not made. I, you're reading my mind. We, we've, we've just asked millions and millions and millions of people who have worked really, really hard from the moment they got out of high school, who have built businesses, who, who, who create jobs. We're asking those people to write the check for $1.7 trillion in outstanding student loans from people who went another way, who made another choice. You want to talk about forgiveness? Fine. I forgive you. But... I'm not going to forget, and I'm certainly not going to pay it off. you got to do the deal. Look, you, you've, you... It took me 13 years to pay back my student loans with a deferment, which I had, to go to the, uh, I had to go to the bank and say, listen, I couldn't afford $126 a month. So they say you have 18 months. So when I came back, it was $225. And I sent that to... I took loans out every year till I was 35. I was just thinking about this this morning because I hear that Joe Biden's about to forgive everybody's loan. I got two dozen friends with big, fat car payments and truck payments who run construction sites. They need their Ford 350. They, they need the big Dodge. They have to have it. They bought it. They're paying it off. They're building your house. They're building our roads. Is anybody talking about paying off the debt of that truck? Not that I know of. Let me look it up. Nope. Nope. Of course not. And by the way, nor should we. But the all you need to know about where the line is drawn is about what tools we value. People on dirty jobs, they don't quit quietly. When they quit, they quit. And they move on to the next thing. And they keep going. They don't do anything quietly. They do everything proudly. And they do it all the way up. Like Ernest Hemingway said, there's only one way to live. All the way up. Doing it quietly, doing something, the more important a thing is, the more proudly you ought to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, quitting quietly is just another way of saying whatever it is I've been doing doesn't matter. The other thing I did a special on Hemingway... I can't say uh, that I'm an expert on him, but doing a special on him, he would write for 
three or four hours, a certain time, certain day. Uh-huh. People say, well, he was always crazy. He was on the city. No, there was, there was a time to write. There was time to work. And there was a time to live life and then write about what you live. That's right. And that's what he did. But he was disciplined. He was sitting at the same typewriter every day in the same room, and people knew not to bother him. So even those people who were freelancing out there, you got to set up a discipline. Seinfeld's the best example. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld writes a certain amount, a certain amount of time. He, he keeps records meticulously, and he lives a life in which he make, calls his own shots, and he does it better than anybody else. But I would tell you that talent aside, it's the work. It's the discipline. Look, this this is why working from home is also scary. Most people don't have Hemingway's force of will. When you're home, like how it's very, very difficult for people to do what you just described. Hemingway, by the way, I loved what he said about athletics since you brought that up. He said uh, there are only there are only three sports. There's boxing, there's race car driving, and there's mountain climbing. <laughs> Everything else is a game. Really? Yeah. I got to call ESPN. Because they're covering, wait, they're covering all the wrong stuff. They're covering all the wrong stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, listen, when we come back, uh, a special guest. Uh, obviously, the most talented Roe in the family, uh, Peggy Roe, the mom of Mike Roe. Uh, a brand new book out yesterday. I knew that. Vacuuming in the nude <laughs> and other ways to get attention. A special on Sunday. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show when Mike Rowe lets me lock out. A whole lot to be thankful for. Family, friends, and the best of Brian Kilmeade. Happy Thanksgiving from the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. She came late and she said, oh, I'm so sorry. She said I was vacuuming and I looked at the clock and I realized how late I was. So I jumped right in the shower. And then she said, fortunately, I vacuum in the nude. And we were all just, and I said, what? You you have some clothes on. She said, no, no. I always take a shower right after it because I get so hot. And I said, what? You were home alone, right? She said, no, no, Dan was in the next room. And I never forgot that. I thought, wow, putting herself right out there And then she said, and sometimes he joins me in the shower. (laughs) Uh, That is Peggy Rowe, uh, the author of a brand new book, Vacuuming in the Nude. You got that talk. That's why they're talking like that. And other ways to get attention. Her special, America's Grandmother, about her new book, airs this Sunday, the 21st at 10 o'clock on Fox News Channel at 11. And FBN drops on Fox Nation. Uh, and on uh, FBN, I should say, and on Fox Nation will be available, too, on August 21st. You go to that app, you can click on it, watch it anytime without the commercials. And guess who's in studio? If you're smart enough to watch Fox Nation now, uh, Peggy Rowe, mother of Micro. Mm-hmm. But you should say you should be the son of Peggy Son Rowe of Peggy. Because exactly. she's already a best-selling author at 80 years old. What was that like, Peggy, to become a bestseller at 80? <laughs> Oh, it was exhilarating. It really was. Um, I've been wanting to have a book my entire life. You've been writing every day for years? For years. And I've published in magazines and newspapers, but I've always wanted a book. And it didn't happen until I was 80. And golly, it really has been exciting. Um, right. It's hard in some ways. Um it requires a lot of energy to go out and do book events um, and be on television, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, there are advantages. I, I've never been part of the Me Too movement. 
<laughs> Sexual harassment really hasn't been a problem. It has not, thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's looking at the glass half full. Yet. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so, so, Mike, how great has it been you to see your mom become a bestseller? Because you knew her ability, talent, and dedication. Yeah. I mean, it's the greatest gift. Uh, a lot of great things happened to me. Dirty Jobs was sort certainly a game changer, and I go down the list. But watching, for as long as I remember, my mom gets up, she grabs her yellow legal pad, and she goes out into the world with a number two pencil, and she starts interviewing people. Strangers, a cop on horseback. She writes a story, you know, and the next day it's, it's, it's stuck to the refrigerator with a magnet, and my dad takes it down and walks around the neighborhood reading it to people. You know, this is how they live. 60 years, dude. 60 years she wrote with a, with some encouragement, right? There's a mag, there's an article in a horse magazine. There, there's one in the local paper. But to see her finally become a New York Times bestselling author at 80, yeah, personally it was gratifying. But to, but to see the reaction in other people who aren't writers but who are simply doing what we were talking about before, trying to find the discipline that Hemingway had, trying to find a passion in their life. My mom proved it's it's really never too late. So what it, what do people tell you when they come up to you? What do they ask you? What do they what do they remark about Peggy? Well, their first question is what does it feel like, you know, to be an overnight success at 80? Yeah. And I want to say I beg your pardon. I've been writing for years. I am not an overnight success. And so often people will say, you know, I think I have a book in me. I think I'm going to start writing. And I remind them that they have to do their homework. Uh, you take writing courses. You go to writing conferences. You you join critique groups. And you work at it. But most of all, you write every day. That's so important. And do you, do you type or write? I use my computer, my word processor. You made the adjustment. Indeed. And, you know, I think about people like Irma Bombeck, who lived years ago. She used a typewriter. And, and I think white of, out. And white out. And all the times I delete, I'm so blessed to have a computer, especially because I have arthritis and I think I couldn't use a typewriter. Right. But now you can hire someone to type for you. You could just pace around the house and say, take this down. I could do that while I'm vacuuming. Huh? Yes, you could. Absolutely. There's an where the, where, So where did the title come from, Mike? Did you help or? No, well, I read her draft and uh, buried in one of the stories was this reference to her friend who vacuums in the nude. You'll hear the whole story on the special this Sunday. But I'm like, Mom, you know, as, as, as visuals go, you know, that's a title. That's a title that people are going to... It begs a question. And the question, of course, is, do you vacuum in the nude, Mrs. Rowe? <laughs> not really. Not yet. <laughs> That's a yes what? or no answer. Yeah. But I have, I have a social media presence. I have hundreds of thousands of followers, and they comment regularly. And one woman actually said to me, oh, Peggy, I think maybe you're starting a trend. I'm going to try that. That That's was nice. not my intention, really. But you know what? You can't help it. If America feels more comfortable that way, just to get Americans off the couch, we can't be judging. <laughs> no. And look, here's the part of the title that I think is actually more important. It's the it's the little print that says, and other ways to get attention. Because if there's a metaphor for these times, that's it, right? right. TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook. Down, I mean, Influencers. Everybody everywhere is trying to get somebody's attention. And my mom's from a different age. She's from a different time. Um, 
and and so too are her friends. And the idea that you can get the attention of your significant other just by pushing a vacuum through the living room and the all together. Right. I mean, that's both. That's a what a weird mix of sweet and dirty. But I kind of like it. <laughs> oh, and it would be very off-putting at my age. <laughs> right. Especially yeah. Uh, uh, Peggy, uh, let me ask you something about uh, about Mike. Was he somebody that liked to get dirty? Was he someone like a grease monkey? Oh, Brian, as a child, I worried about him. He what? had such an aversion to dirt. He would walk around mud puddles. He wouldn't touch Play-Doh because it was icky. Play-Doh was icky? Icky. And listen, one day we went to a friend's and she was having a finger painting session. And Mike wouldn't even come in the room. He didn't want any part of finger painting <laughs> is this true mike it's true yeah. i worried about him i was uh, a different i i was a different person i mean the doorbell would ring i like the idea uh, of meeting people was horrifying so shy he would dive under the kitchen table when the doorbell rang or run into the hall closet and, and have you figured that out why yeah i was i was painfully shy i had a weird stammer i was just you, a were, you had stuttered yeah yeah i was a different person um growing up um, because, partly because I was traumatized by the sight of my naked mother cleaning the house. Which is, yeah, right? it's a full I mean, circle. It's, a, it's horrifying. But no, no, I, I, I decided in high school, literally, to with, with, with the help of a, of a really gifted uh, teacher, to be somebody else. You know, and literally, I changed everything. I changed the way I thought about dirt, work. I changed the way I thought about people, about talking, about everything. I, I hit the reset button. And, and what is the real you? No one knows. Peggy, <laughs> what's the real here? Is this, this the real Mike? This is the real Mike. It absolutely is. And, you know, the other day we were doing a, an interview on the sidewalk, a spontaneous interview. And a man walked by and, and saw that it was Mike, did a double take. And he, he just yelled, I love you, Micro. And he went on about his way, bumped into somebody. Um, what's that like for, for you as the, his mom? I feel very proud that Mike is so gracious. People feel safe with Mike. They, they know do. that he's going to be polite to them. He's not going to brush them off. But he's also not really nice to me that much. But still, no. vacuuming the nude and other ways to get attention is out. Go buy it. Watch Sunday. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.